Welcome back everyone. Today I'd like to take a moment and share with you my four-factor quality dividend growth portfolio. If you've listened to my recent content, you've probably heard me break down SCHD stock selection methodology. Well, the four-factor portfolio is an actual portfolio I recently launched with real money based on a variation of SCHD stock selection model. The portfolio is off to a great start as it's outpacing the S&P 500 by 7% thus far. But first, let me explain how I constructed this portfolio, how I put it into action, and then I'll talk about how it's doing thus far, and what I expect for the future. I recently talked about applying SCHD stock selection process to the dividend aristocrats, and I actually did this at the beginning of this month, and I am tracking two mock dividend aristocrat portfolios. I'll be providing an update on them early in December. Additionally in that episode, I talked about using a slightly different set of criteria, ones that I personally like more than the four SCHD uses. And the four-factor portfolio is exactly that. It's a portfolio I constructed using four factors, building on SCHD stock selection process and applied to a set of quality dividend growth stocks. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The process started with generating a universe of dividend growth stocks that I would apply these four factors to. I used the stock screener in my Schwab brokerage account to generate this universe of stocks based on eight metrics. The metrics are a market cap of at least $10 billion, a payout ratio below 100%, a five-year dividend growth rate of more than 5%, a positive five-year revenue growth rate, a positive five-year earnings growth rate, a wide or narrow economic moat, an exemplary or standard Morningstar management rating, and the stock must trade either on the New York Stock Exchange or the NASDAQ. I know on the screen you are seeing 173 results, but when I pulled the screener at the end of October, it actually included 174 unique dividend growth stocks. This was my starting universe of stocks. I then headed over to Seeking Alpha and created a portfolio that included all of these companies. Then I exported the following data points. The current market cap, the float percentage, cash from operations, total debt, the five-year dividend growth rate, the return on capital, and the forward dividend yield. Using the cash from operations and the total debt, I self-computed the free cash flow to total debt ratio. This ratio, along with the five-year dividend growth rate, the return on capital, and the forward dividend yield, are the four factors I use to select the stocks that will be included in this portfolio. So the only variation between this stock selection process and SCHDs is the inclusion of the return on capital in lieu of the return on equity. I believe return on capital is a superior metric to return on equity because it takes into account the total debt of a business. The next step in the stock selection process was to rank all 174 companies based on these four factors and find the 30 best companies. I know that SCHD holds 100 unique stocks in its portfolio. The reason I decided to limit my portfolio to just 30 stocks is that I want to take a larger bet on the best stocks this process identifies. With only 30 stocks, I can assign a much larger allocation to the top selections. Whereas with 100 stocks, only a handful of the selected companies with the largest market caps would have a meaningful impact on the portfolio. So my smaller portfolio takes a little bit more risk as it's more concentrated at the top compared to SCHD. Okay, so let me tell you which 30 stocks were chosen by this process. We have Tiro Price Group, Texas Instruments, Best Buy, Lamb Research, Garmin, Fastnell, ASML Holdings, Infosys, UPS, AbbVie, Taiwan Semiconductor, Skyworks Solutions, Applied Materials, ADP, Monolithic Power Systems, Home Depot, Paychex, 
KLA Corporation, Lowe's, Snap-on, Ferguson PLC, Rollins, Accenture, MasterCard, Visa, Merck, BlackRock, Lockheed Martin, Expeditors International of Washington, and Cisco. The next step in constructing this portfolio was to determine the starting allocation for each of these stocks. And here I borrowed the process from SCHD, and I used the float adjusted market cap with a maximum allocation to any individual stock, set at 6.67%. This is twice the equal weight. To get the float adjusted market cap, I simply multiplied the current market cap for each stock by the float percentage. Seven stocks with the largest float adjusted market caps ended up having the maximum 6.67% allocation. They are ASML Holdings, AbbVie, Taiwan Semiconductor, Home Depot, MasterCard, Visa, and Merck. These seven stocks will make up 46.69% of the total portfolio and will be the driving force of returns. The remaining 23 stocks were all assigned an allocation based on their float adjusted market cap and will make up the remaining 53.31% of the portfolio. There are a handful of large allocations and a few very small ones as well. Starting from the top we have Cisco at 6.63%, Accenture at 6.35%, Texas Instruments at 5.17%, UPS at 4.34%, Lowe's at 4.3%, Lockheed Martin at 3.86%, ADP at 3.56%, BlackRock at 3.24%, Applied Materials at 2.69%, Infosys at 2.45%, LAM Research at 1.96%, KLA Corporation at 1.59%, and Paychex at 1.35%. These 13 stocks, in addition to the 7 max allocation stocks, make up 94.18% of the portfolio. So the remaining 10 stocks, all with rather small allocations, will not have a major impact on long-term results as they make up less than 6% of the portfolio. The smallest 10 positions are Fastnell at 0.98%, Tiro Price Group at 0.83%, Ferguson PLC at 0.76%, Expeditors International of Washington at 0.57%, Monolithic Power Systems at 0.54%, Best Buy at 0.49%, Skyworks Solutions also at 0.49%, Snap-on at 0.41%, Garmin at 0.4%, and Rollins at 0.37%. The starting dividend yield for this portfolio at the end of October was projected to be right around 2.33%, with the 5-year dividend growth rate being 16.1%. The next step was to actually implement this portfolio with real money, and I decided to use my small traditional IRA account to do just that. I don't recommend this to anyone. I fully accept the risk involved with allocating my money to this strategy, and I am sharing this solely for the purpose of education and entertainment. My traditional IRA is a rather small part of my total investment footprint. The account sits at less than $2,000 today, and if this backfires, it won't really affect my long-term results. I don't believe this strategy will backfire. It may not work out well, but I doubt I will lose my money in the long run. The biggest problem with actually implementing this portfolio was that I have my traditional IRA invested with M1 Finance, and they don't actually let you select stock weights out to two decimal points, or less than 1%. But what they do allow is for you to self-direct how much money is invested into each stock. This requires a lot more work on you as the investor, and defeats the purpose of automation M1 offers. It actually didn't take me that long to determine how much money I needed to invest in each stock, and to set up the trades on M1's platform. The small problem was that M1 trades are executed while the market is in session, and stock prices are moving, so I was never going to hit my target portfolio with exact precision. The portfolio had about $1,812 at the start of November, as I pushed all of my trades through and set this portfolio in motion. Today the portfolio has a market value closer to $2,000, so it's been a rather good start for the strategy. It's projected to earn $43.10 in annual dividend income, 
with the monthly dividend amounts split rather equally at around $3-$4 per month. I moved this portfolio to M1 back in September of this year and had it invested in other stocks. The initial balance that I transferred was $1,706.87. The original allocation got off to a pretty good start compared to the S&P. In September, this portfolio fell 2.9%, compared to a 6.97% loss for the S&P. And in October, this portfolio was up 9.38%, compared to a gain of 8.1% for the S&P. So two months in, I was up 5.64% more than the S&P 500. The partial return for November, that is based on the four-factor allocation, is rather good as well. Through November 18th, the portfolio is up 9.6%, compared to a gain of just 2.56% for the S&P. Off to a good start but I'm more interested in how this portfolio will perform in the long term, and that is something I will have to wait for to find out. The plan is to keep this allocation for one full year, and next November I will run the same screening process and select the top 30 stocks again and make adjustments to the portfolio as necessary. The good thing here is since this is an IRA account, I don't have to worry about tax implications of selling any securities, so it'll be easy to swap positions around. The small amount of dividends this portfolio spits out will be used to try to keep the portfolio in line with the target asset allocation. I'm not adding any more money to this portfolio. So that will keep performance tracking very simple. It'll simply be the starting and ending market value for each month. I've set up a spreadsheet here to show me how much the portfolio drifted from the target allocation. Right now, it looks like it's 2.98% away from target. I also have a simple formula here to show me which positions are currently underweight and by how much. I'll use this to direct any dividend payments to the most underweight stocks. At the moment, it looks like Accenture is the most underweight position and needs $4.37 to return to its target weight. If a dividend payment were to come in tomorrow, I'd probably invest it all there. The data is updated automatically anytime the market is open, so I can make decisions based on current valuations. I think I'll run this portfolio for at least a few years, and then look back to see how it performed against the broad market. If the results will be good, I'll keep it going, and if it'll be awful, I'll just scrap the portfolio and reallocate the assets where I see fit. I could look back at historical data and model a backtest for this strategy over the last 5 or 10 years. But all that will tell me is whether this process worked in the past, and not if it will continue to work in the future. The problem with investing is we don't have a guarantee that our strategy will work out in the years to come. Sometimes you just need to take the risk and invest in your ideas to see if they pay off. Granted, my investment here is small, but if it works exceptionally well, this amount could grow to a much larger sum very quickly. I may also be more inclined to invest more capital using this process. At the very least, this will be a learning experience for me, and I may walk away from this project with additional knowledge I can apply to my investing journey in the future. I'll share the results here with you regardless of whether they are good or bad, 